Welcome to Marvelous Disney with Aaron Adams, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings in one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Wednesday, August 16th, 2023. Now, mind you, DC's next superhero movie, The Blue Beetle, We'll open in theaters the very day the show goes live online, uh, Friday, August 18th. And I don't know if you've heard, Aaron, the, the advance word on this is pretty good. That said, though, Blue Beetle's director, Angel uh, Manuel Soto, probably didn't want to hear what Nia DaCosta, uh, the director of the Marvels, just shared with Total Film. And, and here's the quote. I think superhero fatigue absolutely exists. And luckily for her, though, the, the big difference between the earlier MCU movies and the Marvels is that the Marvels is really wacky and silly. And the worlds we go to in this movie are worlds unlike any you've seen in the MCU, bright worlds that you haven't seen before. So that's how they're stepping out from the herd. A Blue Beetle, on the other hand, really leans into the title character's uh, family, which is of Hispanic heritage with the idea that this is what's going to make this particular DC movie different from the ones that have preceded it. On the other hand, though, the strike is going on. So, for example, this past week when Blue Beetle had its premiere, the actors didn't show up for the red carpet. Now, now Soto speaking with Variety, it still went out of his way to praise his actors for not having shown up. It's like, they cannot be here tonight. But, you know, they're fighting the good fight. It's very important that we understand that they are heroes right now. They're sacrificing this big opportunity to be seen. So, again, back to uh, Blue Beetle and its Hispanic difference. Soto went on to say, yeah, again, we put our hearts and soul into Blue Beetle because we want you guys, the, the audience, to feel welcome into our stories, that you shouldn't fear Spanish, you shouldn't fear Mexican heritage, don't fear Latino heritage. We want you guys to come join the party with us. So from what I've been hearing about Blue Beetle, that is in fact what does make this film special, that, that you know, this in, incredible Hispanic family, in much the same way as sort of what Ms. Marvel did, you know, how the family was such a huge part of that story. I thought you were going to lean towards Encanto. As, as the reference, isn't that, wasn't that big on family as well? It was big on family. But again, that was animated. We were, we were talking about superheroes here. Oh, and, sure, yeah. yeah but. but I thought the only reason that, you know, like Blue Beetle, I think is a, a tad of a silly character. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, it leans on humor naturally. I could be wrong on that, but I, I th thought like I was playing a, a DC Universe game and it always seemed like Blue Beetle was... Uh, more jokey, kind of like, you know, how Spider-Man quips all the time, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, so jokey like that, not mm -hmm. in a in a bad way. But I was also wondering if people were going saying, well, this looks really good because, you know, when you go in with a really low bar for expectations and then it surpasses it and you're like, oh, that was really good. You're like, oh, over the moon surprise. I can't believe how good that was. And I don't think a lot of people are familiar with Blue Beetle as a character. So they don't know what to expect, period. Okay. And so it's hard to set expectations. And when you go in not knowing anything or anyone about mm -hmm. the movie and you have a good time, it comes out the other side. Well, that was a joyous romp. 
So, I, I, you know, I mean, it's good that they're getting a good buzz, no matter what the situation is. And uh, hopefully it'll introduce the character to more people. We can't overlook the obvious. In fact, we were talking about the fact that there, you know, there isn't a lot of news because, frankly, because of the writer's actors strike, there's not a lot going on. Now, mind you, the producers reportedly made an, an offer to the writer's union late last week. Writers reportedly countered with an offer of their own to the producers on Monday. So, okay, they're finally talking. So that's some progress, right? But at the same time, film production and television production is largely shut down right now. In fact, this is why Sean, Sean Levy, uh, the director of Deadpool, is actually free to travel to the Toronto Film Festival, uh, which is being held next month, uh, September 7th through the 17th up in Canada. And Levy will be there at the fest on September 20th to receive the inaugural Norman Jusen Career Achievement Award, which given that Norman Jusen, you know, made some really, really, you know, popular big box office films, I, Levy's a great choice for this award. But remember, uh, if, you know, Deadpool had just started shooting last month when the actors went on on strike on July 14th and... This MCU movie still has a release date of May 3rd, 2024, just nine months away. And nobody's debating that Sean Levy deserves recognition from his peers. But I would imagine he's anxious to get back to work, as are the 150 members of the Deadpool crew and production team. I can't remember who it was, but on Twitter just a day or so ago, there was a director who's supposed to start filming like yesterday. Oh, yeah. And he, and he went on Twitter to say, you know, the the guild really needs to get their act together and start talking now because we were supposed to start shooting our movie today. And there's 150 people that are out of work right now. And everybody just raked this guy over the coals of like, oh, OK, now that your movie is being delayed, now we need to get our together you know like the last several months we haven't heard anything from you but now that your project is delayed we gotta hurry up and get our stuff together mm. and uh why couldn't you have been saying this several months ago when this whole mess got started i get what you're saying and by the way that's the uh director of tron 3 you're, you're talking yeah about. that's it yeah, yeah yeah and what he said and, and similar to the situation with deadpool 3 that there's hundreds of people below the line. This is their job. This was going to be the paycheck for the year that's being held up because, again, the you know the producers still have dug in their heels about AI. And I have been hearing from folks at Marvel Studios to the effect of they especially want to, like, look, we have to resolve this because it's kind of the pandemic all over again where they had these plans for things to carefully interconnect and films feed into limited series and limited series feed into films. Um, you know, for example, season two of Loki was in fact supposed to link up with Deadpool. What happens in Deadpool 3 is supposed to make it possible for Wolverine to now play a role of size in Avengers Secret Wars, which that's supposed to be released on May 27, 2006, which is two years and nine months from now, but in Hollywood terms, that's five minutes from now. It's a big film. People have already been boarding it and production designing it for years at this point. And it's just sort of like, it's big, it's complicated, it needs to go before the cameras as quickly as possible. Have we talked previously about the whole Kevin Feige 
talking to Hugh Jackman about uh, Avengers Secret Wars? Uh, I don't think we've gone into any detail about it, but mm. I'm sure that uh, <laughs> it was like, by the way, the uh, ink pen I gave you is filled with blood. The pact that you made is a lot longer than you think, Mr. Jackman. And by the way, we've got a painting of Dorian Gray who looks magnificent. Ugh. Keep that aged looking young, sir. Was, it, was that kind of how, how the conversation was going? As it was ex just explained to me, Kevin Feige supposedly just out ahead of the shoot beginning for Deadpool 3, sat down with Hugh, and evidently going into this, Hugh thought of, okay, Deadpool 3 is a one and done. I mean, people have been asking for years to see a, a Ryan Reynolds work with the mouth and, you know, a Hugh Jackman, Logan film. You know, these two team up. And that's the thing, Jackman, all right, we're going to, you know, get this done. And... Evidently, it was back in June of this year that Feige uh, sat down with you and explained what they want to do with uh, Avengers Secret War in 2016. And they would really, really, really like Hugh to be a big part of that film. This whole time, Hugh has been basically saying, look, my concern here is I don't want to do anything that undercuts Logan, that James Mangold movie that came out in, in March of 2017. And and everyone considered such a masterful cap to the story arc that his version of Wolverine. And Feige supposedly assured Jackman that Logan is going to remain pristine, untouched, that that will always be the official end of Wolverine's story arc, at least as far as the 20th Century Fox X-Men film series is, you know, uh, concerned. Whereas for the MCU, thanks to the multiverse, Logan can now live on and have an equally big impact and you know, tell an emotional story there. And I guess that's what, that's where we are now, that, that Jackman, I guess, has agreed in principle to appear in a role of size in Secret Wars, but again, with the notion that that was going to go start to go before the cameras sometime in 2024 and shoot for a, a months in 2025. So what what really happened, do you think? The, Hugh and, and Kevin are sitting across the desk from one another, and Hugh says, I don't want to do anything that takes away from Logan. That was mm -hmm. a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And Feige goes, multiverse, baby. Like he's talking cryptocurrency. It's the new buzzword, <laughs> multiverse, baby. We, we got a whole different you. I mean, we'll get a different suit. We'll sell different toys. And at that point, does Hugh Jackman go, all right, mate, you got a deal? Or... Does he go, oh, I don't know. And then Kevin goes, and not only the multiverse, but also this giant bag of money. Well, you know. <laughs> and then and then he goes, all right, mate, you got a deal. Wolverine's back. I mean, you know, they, they especially if they're going to, well, you know, he has to get shredded for his physique to look like a, a Wolverine. And that <laughs> takes energy and time. And I'm sure he's going to say, you got to give me some money. In fact, it's so interesting you bring that up because evidently that is uh, Jackman's huge frustration with what's going on right now. I mean, this is a guy who... Oh, God, yeah, he's probably going to get getting in shape and everyone's like, oh, put it on hold. And it's like, this body does not go on hold. No, that's that's it exactly. <laughs> that, you know, he has been dieting and exercising and was committed for the run 
of the shoot to the effect of whatever he needed to do to maintain the physique. And now the notion of we're on hold for how long? Someone get me a pie. (laughs) (laughs) Make that two of them. Uh, Two rich, delicious chocolate silk pies, please. Wolverine's taking a holiday. (laughs) Uh, I I do not think you are wrong. Uh, Getting back to the multiverse, though, what's kind of interesting about what's going on here is that there are other chess pieces moving around the board here. For example, Owen Wilson's Mobius character is supposed to make an appearance of size in Deadpool 3. In fact, the TVA is supposed to be one of the you know sort of driving forces of the story. They're always just a step or two behind Deadpool and Logan, and they're having to clean up their mess as they time hop. Also, Tom Hiddleston's Loki was supposed to show up at some point in Deadpool 3. But the interesting thing is I can't get an answer as to which Loki. It's the alligator. <laughs> okay, there we go. They don't have to pay him for lines. They just digitally insert. Now, I wonder, was uh, are we getting Deadpool 3 before Loki season 2 or Loki no. season 2 first? And then, because I, I just want to know what's supposed to dovetail into what, chronologically speaking. Okay, Loki... Two debuts uh, October 16th of this year. And remember, okay. we weren't going to get Deadpool 3 to May of next year. But, you know, okay, so the plenty ad- of time, but Loki 2 comes first chronologically. And speaking of Loki 2, second half of today's show, we're, we're, we're going to have some, some more about this limited series. But before we get to that, Marvelous Disney has a new sponsor, which is Touring Plan's own travel agency. So if you're thinking of heading on down to Walt Disney World in the not-so-distant future, why not let these obviously very knowledgeable folks help you book a vacation package to that resort? And in fact, if you're nice, they may even toss in a subscription to Touring Plans for free. Seriously, though, folks, if you're planning on visiting Central Florida anytime soon, Touring Plan's own travel agency is really the smartest way to go. So please check them out at touringplans.com backslash travel. Okay, we were just talking about Marvel Studios limited series for Disney Plus, like Loki. But remember, this winter, again, I apologize, they're being vague as to when the show is going to drop. It's winter 2023, winter 2024. So December, January, I don't know what to tell you. But we're finally going to get that WandaVision spinoff, which is Agatha, Coven of Chaos. And as has been Marvel Studios' want lately, they finished shooting Coven of Chaos a couple of months ago. But we're just now learning that Shashir Zamata, who was a member of the cast of Saturday Night Live from, I want to say, 2014 to 2017 just revealed that she's playing a, a role of size in Coven of Chaos. She's playing Jennifer Kale, who's a sorceress in the MCU. And th- we've heard the same story over and over again. But when Shashir was cast in the role, she went out and bought a ton of Marvel comic books to research her character. But at, as she explained, but then when I got the script, I saw that they'd gone an entirely different way with Jennifer Kale than they had in the comics, which is okay. It's just that I think people need to be ready for the version of Jennifer Kale in this limited series being different from the one that's in the comics. Now, if we pivot back to Patty Lupone, 
who famously reportedly did no research before arriving on the set of Agatha Coven of Chaos, before she began shooting this limited series, she's also been out there talking about her character, a Laia Caldura. She was on um, The View earlier this summer before that daytime TV talk show on ABC, before the strike got underway. And she said, again, I play a Laia Caldura, who's apparently in the Marvel world. I, and, and she's hot. She's really hot. She's got a great body and hair. And I didn't know anything about the Marvel world prior to this project. And it, it turns out there are witches of the Marvel world. Who knew? Aaron, I'm really beginning to think this is a bit. I don't see her being a comic book girl ever. Well, Broadway, you know, uh, don't uh, don't cry for me, Argentina. Just doesn't scream uh, that she's sitting down reading Scarlet Witch books at the end of the day. Yeah, but at the same time, she's also crazy serious when it comes to prep and rehearsal. You know, for the, her work for the stage. So I just I can't imagine that a, a Patty Lupone actually goes into shooting Agatha Coven of Chaos completely cold. It, it just doesn't make sense any. Well, anyways, I, I guess in life sometimes things happen out of order. And, and toward that end, just last summer at the D23 Expo during the Parks Experience and Products presentation, we were told about the King Thanos attraction. In fact, that was the concept art that I sent to you, Aaron, after, the, after that fest. Supposedly the gimmick of this ride is that it's what the MCU would have been like if Thanos had won the battle uh, at the Avengers compound. If he had kept the gauntlet on and snapped his fingers and uh, you know succeeded in eradicating Earth. Which, by the way, this ride was pitched as a replacement for the first e-ticket that was uh, designed for the Avengers campus, uh, the battle for Wakanda. When Disney was building the Avengers campus out in Anaheim, they built... Avengers headquarters. In fact, this is the building, if you, you've seen any photos or any of the concept art, this is the building that has the Quinjet parked on the roof. This is also where you will see various Marvel characters over the course of day battle, do stunt shows, you know, uh, do meet and greets, that sort of thing. But when uh, Len Testa and I were out in California touring uh, Avengers Campus with Jim Shul, he actually stood us in front of this building and explained that, okay, the Avengers headquarters with the Quinjet sitting on top of it, that's actually the ride's exit. In fact, that's, you know, and remember, if you go to a Disney theme park, you always exit through the gift shop. So what we're actually looking at with the Quinjet parked on top is the gift shop. And, but off to the right and extending out into, uh, I guess what used to be the old Timon parking lot at Disneyland is where the building that actually houses the King Thanos ride is supposed to be built. Now, since the announcement last year in September about the King Thanos ride, there has been no update whatsoever. And in fact, at the last quarterly earnings call from Disney, which was just this past week, the company put out a slide that listed every project that Disney has in the works now through fiscal 2026. And there was no mention at all about a Marvel e-ticket going into Anaheim. In fact, the last thing that's mentioned for uh, that theme park is San Francisco Square, which is actually supposed to open 
this month on August 31st. And the gift shop is opening. It's going to be called the Avengers Vault. It's a new retail location in Avengers Campus. And I want to say this, stress new retail. This is in addition to the Collector's Warehouse, which is located on the ground floor of Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. It's the post-gift shop shop or the post-attraction gift shop in the old Tower of Terror building. Uh, likewise, there's the web suppliers and campus uh, supply pods, the tinier gift shops within Avengers Campus. And then, of course, there's the Superstore, which is in the old Soundstage 17. But this is this is a brand new gift shop. But this is really something new for Disney, Aaron. They are they're opening the post-show gift shop without a show. But can I get my Spider-Man web shooters there? That's all I care about right now. Well, no, you actually have to go over to the web suppliers for those. And So, okay, so they're, they're, they don't have an attraction tied to the gift shop yet. That should be able to free them up to not have to do anything specifically themed to the attraction that's not there. So what if they made it like... Um, in uh, the Star Wars land there in Batuu, don't they have like a real specialty shop where it's like really expensive high-end stuff that's not the cheap, you know, buttons and lapel pins, but more like relics that people would covet? It's interesting you say that because there are people hoping, given that the name of this thing is the Avengers Vault, right. that this will be more high-end items, that sort of thing. I think what's bothering a lot of folks is this is literally putting the cart before the horse. Those of us who go regularly to Disney theme parks understand that, you know, that this is kind of one of the prices of getting on a ride, that you do have to exit through the gift shop. And Disney has worked hard for years to, you know, put the most tempting items in your way and stall you out. So, you know, you Well, yeah, but I mean if the ride's not going to be there for another several years, you got to do something with the space no, and I, yeah, I, so it's like, yeah, why not just turn it into a more high-end gift shop that has nothing to do with rides or anything to give you a reason to walk in the darn building. So use it and then eventually you're going to have a ride there, you can gut the shop retheme it to whatever that ride was and the world would be right again and and then you'd have to find a new location for your avengers vault store mm -hmm. but uh by that point hopefully you've got something figured out or or you know a, a, a different way to sell your stuff uh in a, in a different part of the land i guess to be fair here you know we were just talking about how for example with avengers secret war coming out in may of 2026 and in hollywood terms that's just around the corner. So I guess it's not fair to say that, you know, for example, Bob Iger has just agreed to stay on as Disney's CEO through December of 2026. And we've talked on the show about how, you know, there have been a number of projects slowed down or have their budgets pulled in a bit because Disney is still dealing with all of the debt it accumulated from the Fox acquisition. So uh, what I've been hearing is the King Thanos ride may be put off till maybe something that, that Iger has decided, okay, I'm going to let the next management team, the folks who follow me, mm -hmm. make a decision about that. So I guess, you know, with the notion that it, it could be as late as 2000, early 2027, where somebody goes, okay, yes, that, build that. And then it'll be a couple of years after that before we get that attraction. So I guess, yes, if 
That meant this building would just sit there empty. This is probably a better way to handle that. But again, there's just a part of me that that this kind of rubs the wrong way because it's like the exit through the gift shop thing at Disney, and now we don't even get the you know exit attraction. We just get the gift shop. It just seems a trifle wrong-headed to me. But I, but again, I hear what you're saying. And and well, while we're talking about empty buildings, you know, you got that Galactic Star Cruiser. You just reskin that thing to make it the uh, space station that Fury's been staying on for the last. You don't even have to change the rooms all that much. Just hang an eye patch over one of the lampshades in one of the rooms. Voila, Fury's been here. Not only did Han Solo and Princess Leia make Whoopi on their honeymoon in this endeavor, Nick Fury also stopped by and took 40 winks as well. I'm just trying to save the people money so they don't have to reskin the whole thing. There we go. Okay. Well, all right. Let's see what happens next here, folks. Okay. And, and, and speaking of what happens next on this show, uh, we're going to find out shortly that Sweet and Sour Sauce holds the key to learning secrets about Season 2 of Loki. Even for me, this is a little convoluted, but in order to understand what Disney and McDonald's are doing right now, we, we first have to jump backwards to the summer of 1998, which is when uh, Disney had just released Mulan, the, the hand-drawn version, the original hand-drawn version of this film, to theaters. And as part of a summer-long promotion of that film, McDonald's, uh, at all of its fast food outlets around North America, introduced, just for that summer, a variation on their Chicken McNugget Happy Meal which would be served, sort of honoring the Chinese setting of Mulan, with a, a Sichuan sauce. And this stuff was, was downright addictive. And when it disappeared in late August, early September of 1998, there were people who kind of lost their minds. And on Saturday, April 1st, 2017, Rick and Morty, in the first episode of the third season of that animated series, one of the main plot lines of, of this particular episode was that Rick travels back in time, uh, well, in a dream sequence, so he can then go to McDonald's and experience Szechuan sauce one more time. And then social media kind of lost its mind with people talking about, oh, my God, Szechuan sauce. And, you know, I so loved that and I missed it. And it, I, I wish they would bring that back. And McDonald's listens they actually bring the sauce back a few months after the Rick and Morty episode. Mind you, it's only for one day, but it has this huge reaction. It did so well, and it got you know, McDonald's so much notice on social media, they're like, oh, we got to do that again. So they, they do it again in 2018, and it gets an even bigger reaction that year. So much so there was... There were the lines were so long in LA to get Szechuan sauce that that a fight broke out and one man actually got stabbed again waiting in line for sauce for his McNuggets. That's a headline that money just can't buy. <laughs> I tell you, in all my years of advertising, if I could just say, if only someone would get stabbed 
from my client over here. This wonderful restaurant has the best donuts. I wish somebody would get stabbed over them so I could put it in the commercial and be like, these donuts are stab worthy. We are issuing you a stab proof vest in order to eat this donut because people will covet you so much for the delicious juicy flakiness of this donut. That's great, great material. Oh, I, I agree. I agree. And, and here's the thing. Disney noticed that happened when it came to the Szechuan sauce from Mulan and coming back. And so did the writers of Loki season two. And they reached out to McDonald's and pitched them on the idea that they wanted to set at least one episode of season two of Loki at a McDonald's set in the 1970s. But at the same time, they wanted to put Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson literally in their restaurant eating and and to make a sauce, not necessarily the Szechuan sauce, a different sauce. One of the reasons they were so excited to actually be getting to go to this restaurant. And so oh, man, I wish they were going to go back and make the McDLT again. Uh, you get the hot side, hot, the cool side, cool. Oh. Yeah. And, and there are landfills all over North America filled <laughs> with, with that styrofoam. styrofoam container. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. OK, so this past Monday, August 14th, it all went off on that day. McDonald's debuted it's as featured in Meal. And it was launched with this fascinating commercial that, that showed you all sorts of characters. And in fact, by the way, including Samuel L. Jackson in various movies eating McDonald's food and talking about, you know, how much they enjoyed it and that sort of thing. And toward the very end of this ad were scenes from season two of Loki showing Tom Hiddleston interacting with the female version of Loki, who is dressed as a McDonald's employee from the 1970s. And then Owen Wilson seated, having a meal with evidently a time-traveling criminal that he's captured. And he's like, I really should be bringing you in, but we're stopping for lunch. But this, as featured in meal, you have your choice of a quarter pound of cheese, a Big Mac, or a 10-piece McNugget that comes with a brand new, newly branded sweet and sour sauce that is inspired by Loki. And you also get a medium drink. Damn it. Now, see, they could have gone Cajun with it and done alligator bites. Oh, man, there's so many missed opportunities. But okay, okay, go ahead. I get that. I get that. Now, on your medium drink cup for the uh, as featured in meal, on, and also on the lid of your sweet and sour sauce is a QR code. If you scan that code, you are then going to get access to custom content developed by Marvel Studios exclusively for McDonald's customers. And this will give you an insight to what's going to happen in season two of Loki. And, and wait, it gets better. Each week, there will be new content. So you, you actually have to go back to McDonald's and get something, get another as featured in meal, and then scan that code to learn more about what's going to go on. But starting on August 30th, what they're going to do to promote Loki Season 2 is they're going to take a McDonald's in Brooklyn and 
floor to ceiling retheme this thing as if it's 1982. But it's only for three days. Oof. So, you know. Wow. I, yeah. I literally went to my McDon- my local McDonald's and I, the manager there actually apologized to me because he said, I, I, I'm sorry, these sauce packets I'm giving you are not the right sauce packets. They don't have the QR codes on them yet. We didn't get them, but they knew they weren't, weren't going to arrive in time. So we, we have the sweet and sour sauce. This is the, but you, you can use the QR code on your cup. In fact, the language on the packet is the sweet and sour sauce as featured in Marvel Studios Loki, new season coming on Disney+. And again, uh, reminding you folks that season two debuts on the streaming service October 6th. But putting on your 32nd Street hat here, mm-hmm. any thoughts as to I mean, three-day redo in 1982 style? At one restaurant. At one restaurant. Is there anything specific about that location? Is that like the one where they actually shot the the Loki scene or something? I mean, if we could figure out the significance of the location, that might reveal a little bit more about why it's so important that that's the one. Mm-hmm. That is an excellent point. And tell you what, I will do the research out ahead of next week's show and see what I can find out about this restaurant in Brooklyn. Well, I mean, they're, they're looking to grab a headline. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's obvious. They don't expect it to have an impact longer than those three days. So my guess would be that the three days had better damn well be like the Wednesday that the episode drops with that scene in it. Mm -hmm. And then that Thursday and Friday. If you do it at any other time, here's a loaded gun. Here's your foot. Pull the trigger wildly. Well, again, this is the language they use in the press release. This experience comes to our current timeline starting on August 30th for three days only. And remember, Loki doesn't drop on Disney Plus till October 6th. So there is a a huge disconnect. Mm, Yeah. So far, McDonald's, swing and a miss. You got two more. (laughs) You better pull something out of this bag besides sweet and sour sauce for me to go, ooh, that was all worth it. We'll have to see. You know, I mean, it could be that they've scheduled Tom Hiddleston to show up during one of those days. Maybe they've, you know, done something promotionally mm-hmm. to make this more than what the announcement is already. Mm-hmm. I would like to see the the photos of the restaurant in its change. And then I want to know, what did Disney or Marvel or McDonald's do to follow that up to make it worth the effort? There's got to be something. Well, in regard to Tom Hiddleston, remember, we are in the middle of the actor's strike. In fact, you know, we just talked at the top of the show. Oh, he doesn't oh, have oh, to promote anything. He just has to eat a stupid cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if one of the reasons that it's only going to be three days long, I wonder if they're actually going to go with the 1982, not just the menu, but the prices. Oh, well, that would that would actually get more headlines mm-hmm and draw people in but it would also point a really large magnifying glass on how crazy inflation has gotten in the last couple years after covid excellent point well all right again folks we're going to keep an eye on this promotion and let us know after you scan your qr code if you come across anything interesting as you wander through that virtual mcdonald's uh in the meantime aaron again we were just talking about 32nd street what what are you up to with your your Patreon project these days? 
This week, we bid a fund farewell to All Access. Mm-hmm. Uh, All Access was a website that replaced like Radio and Records magazine, and, and uh, it helped the industry into a digital age. And because the record industry is now pushing their money towards things like Spotify and not so much to radio, mm-hmm. All Access has died as a result. Mm. And so the uh, it sounds so minuscule that a website is going away. Mm-hmm. However, it is the biggest canary in the biggest coal mine. Mm-hmm. And it says there's no oxygen. We're all about to die. And uh, so we'll we'll get to things later in 32nd Street, but where we end up at is a uh, uh, car manufacturer said, in your shiny new car, in your brand new radio system, what would you like to see in it? And number one was connection to Bluetooth for my phone. And number two was maps for navigation. And three was something else and four was something else and like you get to number eight was fm finally showed up is is what they would like in their radio number eight fm you know where am showed up it didn't jim it didn't so they're actually thinking about you know discontinuing am uh, because well you can save a a nickel by not having to put that little bit in there to get the am band and that would mean that well geez am might as well just turn off the switch and go home you're no longer needed wow yeah, but it gets worse than that, and we cover that on 32nd Street this week. Holy cow. Okay, sounds like must listening. But we talk about things that you must follow, and, and for example, just this past week on uh, your Aza Prod uh, Twitter feed, you put up a, t- a teaser, a, a sizzle reel for uh, the thing that Len and Jim Schull and I have been working on, the, the load these menu. In fact, well, hell, you've been editing the thing, the, the yeah. Disney Unpacked. Yeah, it's finally time to start uh, showing it off to show off your baby to the world, Jim. Here's some baby pictures. That's yeah. what we got putting up right now. Yeah. Little teasers about what's that all about? Who's this Jim Schul guy? Yeah. And uh, how does he fit into the puzzle? And it's all going to come together very, very nicely. Do we have a release date yet? Have you, have you set it? I in think stone? we are about... I get, I get it's not in stone yet? All right, still in, in light pencil. Okay. But uh, it's coming soon. Yes. And so go. just keep your eyes peeled for Disney Unpacked. It's okay. going to be a hoot. But speaking of which, again, this is your social media over on Twitter slash X. And again, that's at Azaprod. Is that correct? Or? Correct. And today, uh, if, you, if you've already seen the, the Unpacked teaser today, I put up the teaser for uh, Scott Pilgrim the anime uh, that's coming to Netflix, which that I is, can't wait for. Yeah, I, I have to admit, it was kind of stunning to see that much of the cast of the film come back to voice. Yeah, and I do feel that Scott Pilgrim versus the World is one of the very few perfect films on planet Earth, along with David Lynch's uh, Mulholland Drive. Totally I, different movies, but they're both perfect films. I, I can get behind that. All right, yeah. uh, speaking of social media, you can find us over on Twitter and Instagram at as Jim Hill Media, uh, likewise on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. Beyond that, we have a couple other podcasts here we'd love you to check out. Uh, we got, of course, Disney Dish, I do with Len Testa. We have uh, Fine Tuning, uh, which is animation news, which I do with Drew Taylor, who, by the way, has uh, his own podcast that he does with Charles Hood, the Light Diffuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast. Brian Gunn and I just did a brand new looking at Lucasfilm with, with the Star Wars-related news, and... Let's see, beyond that, if folks, if you could do Aaron and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend, well, not just the show you're listening to right now, Marvelous Disney, 
but also 32nd Street. That would be very helpful. And if you really, really, really like what you heard here, if you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be cool. And I think that's going to do it for this week. So we'll see you soon.